Good morning, Faith Baptist Church. Even though we won't be gathering together for a formal church service this morning, and even though COVID continues to hang over our lives like a specter, it's still a very good morning. Yesterday, we celebrated the Incarnation, the birth of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But today is literally the so-called morning after the big party where some of us uh, may have woken up feeling a little sick from eating or drinking too much, woken up a bit worried about whether we really could afford all those Christmas presents that we bought. Perhaps woken up sad because you could not spend the day with your loved ones as you would have liked, or sad that the time that you did spend with your loved ones was basically just one big argument about uh, political or religious differences. Maybe you woke up with an expectation about which presents you will be asking for next year. You see, our lives are laid out in such a way uh, that the entire year builds towards Christmas. It doesn't matter whether you are even a Christian or not. Everyone loves Christmas. We have this expectation, this belief that no matter what is happening with the economy, with COVID, with ESCOM, with wars and fighting happening all over the world, that if we could just make it to Christmas, things will be okay again. We can have one day of peace, one day of rest. This is illustrated for us perfectly by the fact that a secular band called Queen had a song called, Thank God It's Christmas. And so the general feeling on the morning after the big Christmas party is simply... Well, only 364 days to go until Christmas. And of course, we are flooded with ads from retailers now selling their special Christmas offers at an extra 20% off. It's also during this time that we begin to make resolutions for the new year. Promises to ourselves, or perhaps a promise to a loved one, about how we are going to be better or become better in the new year. I'm going to start good habit X. I'm going to quit bad habit Y. I will never ever do fill in the blank again. From now on, I will always do fill in the blank. Yet in the long term, these resolutions are almost always impossible to keep, despite our good intentions. These are the empty promises that the world is always tempting us with. By next Christmas, you can have the body you always wanted. By next Christmas, you can have a new wife or husband. Next Christmas, you will receive the present that will make you perpetually happy. Just follow this program. Buy this product. Download this app. Over the years, Christians have been guilty of taking this exact same message and just substituting in the name Jesus. You've tried everything, now try Jesus. As if Jesus comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee if you are not completely satisfied. Or, if you would just come to Jesus, all your problems will be solved. You will never again experience pain or sadness and you will become rich the so-called health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. 
And so the church, while using all the right lingo and Jesus words, end up adopting the same attitude that the world has. One that says, it's really all about me. Jesus loves me. He wants to bless me. He came for me. He died for me. He started his church to serve me. And now he's up in heaven building me a house. It's no wonder then that uh, Christians end up as unhappy, as unfulfilled, as divorced, as depressed even, as the, those who are without God. Because that's what such an attitude will lead to eventually. We as Christians can't afford to live and to plan our years in the same way that the world does, from one Christmas to the next, from one promise of happiness or fulfillment to the next. Life is not about us. What is it about then? Please open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 11, verse 33 to 36. Romans 11, 33 to 36. Now, Romans is a book that is dangerous to quote isolated passages from because the entire book is one long theological discussion and argument. And so each chapter builds upon the previous one. Here the Apostle Paul has been discussing the hopeless situation of all men, Gentiles and Jews. We are dead in sin, falling short of God's glory, rebels who know the truth but refuse to submit to it. He then declares the hope of the gospel, forgiveness, salvation and a new life in the power and fellowship of the Spirit for both Jews and Gentiles. And in the midst of this argument, he pauses and he gives this wonderful doxology, which is really just a praise to God. Romans 11:33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his, are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him. For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I'll never forget the first time that I was invited to go and watch a live rugby match. I was about seven or eight years old, and it was the Blue Bulls against Western Province in Pretoria. My dad didn't really watch rugby, and so I had no real knowledge of the game, except that I supported Western Province, because that's who he supported. So I remember the feeling of sitting in that packed stadium, having absolutely no clue what was going on. I kept having to tap my friend's older brother on the shoulder and ask him, why is everybody jumping up and down? Why, why is everybody excited now? Why is that man blowing on his whistle? What does offside mean? Not knowing or understanding the rules of the game made it incredibly difficult and frustrating to follow what was happening. As soon as I thought I got it, something would happen that would just confuse me all over again. It's no wonder then that by the time I got home, I had been converted to a proud Blue Bulls supporter by my friends. Because even though I didn't understand much of what happened, 
they had won the game and it seemed a logical decision to make. Now don't worry, I don't support the Blue Bulls anymore, so I don't need prayer or any concerned WhatsApp messages. But in the same way, life has rules. And if we understand them, it allows us to make sense of the human condition and of the way that the world is. But if we don't understand these rules, we will always find ourselves frustrated, unhappy, confused, always thinking we got it figured out, only to lose it again when life throws the next unexpected curveball our way. If you don't understand the rules, then you'll be prone to switch your allegiance to whichever side seems to be winning, or to whichever side my friends are supporting or my family are supporting. What are these rules? Although the Apostle Paul doesn't discuss them directly in our passage, we can certainly make the application because Scripture is full of references to God working for His own glory and that our main concern should be for His name to be glorified. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable are His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counsellor? Or who has first given to him, and it shall be repaid to him? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So the first rule from this passage is that from God are all things. Some scriptures you can read at home. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, John chapter 1 verse 3, and Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. So God is the one who created the universe and everything in it simply by speaking it into existence. But man was specially formed by God. He was actively involved in our creation and we bear his image. It's important to understand that God did not create us out of a sense of need. He wasn't lonely. He didn't need someone to love. Because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit had enjoyed a perfectly loving relationship uh, for eternity past. He didn't need worshippers to make him feel good about himself. God is perfectly content with himself. No, he graciously created us so that we might come to know Him and worship and glorify and adore and enjoy Him forever. There is no part of creation, no atom in this universe that is not under His sovereign control and that is not part of His plan. We tend to forget that as His creation, we owe Him our allegiance and obedience. We are not free to do as we please. So from God are all things. Number two, through God are all things. Colossians 1 verse 17, Hebrews 1 verse 3. See, there are some people that would affirm that, yes, God created the universe, but he set up the world uh, to run itself, basically like a machine. And he has since then taken a step back and he's no longer actively working in his creation. They wrongly have this idea that, well, man has been left in charge. 
And uh, we are the ones who now call the shots. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says that God the Son upholds all creation by the word of his power. If God ceased to be active in his universe, then the entire thing would collapse instantly. He is the one who holds it all together, Colossians 1 verse 17 says. There is nothing that can exist apart from his sustaining power. Now that this continuous act alone deserves our greatest praise and reverence. He sustains even the wicked and the ungodly from day to day, when he could end all life as we know it with just a thought. Our God is a gracious and loving God who is slow to anger and rich in mercy. Through God are all things. Number three, to God are all things. In Genesis 14, verse 22, Abraham calls God the possessor of heaven and earth. Deuteronomy 10, verse 14 says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. As the owner and the possessor um, of heaven and earth, God is the one who establishes order. He is the one who says what is acceptable and what is not. It is not open for debate or discussion. Okay, we don't get a say in that. He is therefore justified in expecting a certain response from his creation, especially human beings. He is free to do as he pleases in order that he may be glorified. No other being in the universe is as free as God is to do what he wants to, when he wants to, through whichever means he wants to. To God are all things. Number four, understand that his thoughts and methods are above our understanding. His thoughts and methods are above our understanding. God has infinite wisdom and knowledge. He sees the bigger picture and he knows how and why everything happens the way that it does. He is never caught off guard or caught by surprise by anything that happens. And the reality is, uh, some things he couldn't explain to us even if he wanted to, because our human minds are too feeble to be able to understand them. Who are we, therefore, to dictate to him how we think we ought to live? His thoughts and methods are above our understanding. Number five, remember that he owes no one anything. He owes no one anything. God is the only being in the universe who can do exactly what he wants. He doesn't need our permission to act. He doesn't need our assistance to accomplish his plans. This rule says that no one ever has or ever will do anything that would put God in their debt. Even our greatest and best deeds are but filthy rags, Isaiah 64 verse 6 says. So there is nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. Uh, we went to home affairs a few years ago and uh, one lady had a little note on a wall. It said something like, I declare that the angel of wealth will follow me wherever I go. Now, that is nothing more than trying to manipulate God under the guise of faith. 
but God cannot be bribed. He cannot be manipulated. Every good gift you have received, therefore, is a gracious gift from God. James 1 verse 17. We cannot therefore demand that God act in ways that suit us, when it suits us. We must slot into His program, not He into ours. He owes no one anything. Number six, to Him alone be glory forever. That is the meaning of the Latin phrase, soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says that God will not share His glory with anyone, certainly not with human beings. If your goal in life is to put yourself on a pedestal, to make your own name great, then that puts you on a collision course with the God of the universe. The mighty King Herod was struck dead by God for refusing to give him the glory in Acts 12 verse 33. The rules uh, of life and the attitude of it's all about me are not compatible. Nowhere in the Bible does God promise us earthly lives free from evil and suffering. God's primary concern is not my health, my bank balance, or my happiness. His primary concern is His own glory. Now, I can't see you, but put up your hand if you feel a little bit uncomfortable with that idea. That God is primarily concerned with His own glory. Brother Louis, doesn't, doesn't that make God look a little self-centered? Yes. Amen. God is self-centered. And that's a good thing. Because if God was not concerned for His own glory, then He would not be God. If he was primarily concerned with something other than himself, then that thing must be worshipped as God. Okay, please don't confuse the idea of God's perfect and righteous uh, self-centeredness with fallen, sinful, selfish, human self-centeredness. They are not the same. Okay. But what are you saying? Does Jesus love me? Answer, yes. Did he come to die for me and rescue me? Yes. But does he want to bless me? Answer, he has already blessed all Christians with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says. But let us view these truths in proper balance with the truth that we are not the center of God's universe. Now you still may say, thanks Louis, but I'm still going to try life my own way. I'm happy, and I've got something that works for me. But the rules that God set remain in place. It may seem to you like you can avoid them or get around them, but in the end, it will lead to your destruction. God is gracious and merciful, and so our sins don't always carry immediate judgment or immediate consequences. But believe me, the Bible is clear that those things are inevitable. They will catch up with you. I want to borrow an illustration from Michael Ramsden, who said that we should think of the law of gravity. 
It's a pretty unbreakable law. If you were to climb onto the top of our church building and jump off in an attempt to fly, you will not break the law of gravity. He says you will break yourself while proving the law of gravity. It's exactly the same thing that will happen to you if you think that you can break the rules of life that God has set in place. Time and time again, you will break yourself while proving that life makes no sense if God's glory is not our central focus. So how then can I glorify God? Firstly, give thanks and practice thankfulness towards the Lord. Give thanks and practice thankfulness. Ephesians 5 verse 20 says, Give thanks always for all things unto God. Colossians 2 verse 7 says that we must abound in thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 also says, Give thanks in everything. When we cultivate a heart of thankfulness, we lay aside our sense of selfishness, of entitlement, and we realize that God is our provider and that every good thing in our lives is because of who He is, because of His goodness, not because of our goodness. It will also help us to remain joyful in times of suffering or sadness because our eyes are on our Savior and not on our situation. So give thanks. To remember who God is and what He has done. Psalm 77 verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. First Chronicles 16 verse 12 says, Remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. Okay? This idea that we must remember who God is and remember what He has done is almost like the theme of the Old Testament. It pops up again and again. Remember, remember, don't forget. See, remembering who God is helps us remember who we are. Remembering what He has done for us helps us to trust Him when our world seems to be falling apart. Because He has always been faithful and he will remain faithful. So remember who God is and what he has done. Number three, examine your motivations. Think to yourself, who do I want to exalt through this action? Myself or God? It's applicable even in the everyday things of life. The famous passage in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, uh, when speaking about foods offered to idols, uh, Paul says, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do everything that we do to the glory of God. Are my choices of clothing, this is men and women, my entertainment, the way I speak to my family, my personal habits, are they glorifying to God? Or am I doing them to glorify myself, to make a name for myself, to build my own fame? Do I need more time for prayer and Bible reading? 
Next one is learn to view the world through this lens of God's glory. Learn to view the world through the lens of God's glory. God is glorified by everything that happens. Everything. Now time doesn't permit me to try and give a full defense for how a good God could allow evil things to happen. But if we understand that God is completely sovereign and that he always does what he does for his own glory's sake, then we can take comfort in Romans 8.28 that God is able to make all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And also that in the fact that God is glorified and will ultimately be glorified in his judgment of sin and of evil. Lastly, and I want to emphasize this one for FBC in the coming year. We need to serve one another. I want to read you some passages. Romans 15 verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed us, for the glory of God. Philippians 1 verse 9 to 11. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve things that are excellent, so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. 1 Peter 4 verse 9 to 11 in the church, show hospitality to one another without complaining. As everyone has received a gift, even so serve one another with it, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone serves, let him serve with the strength that God supplies, so that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Let us uh, set Romans 11 verse 33 to 36 as our game plan for the church for 2022. Let us not fall into this trap of thinking that we can do life on our own or that the Christian life is all about me and what I can get out of it, or that by next uh, Christmas my life will magically be better than it is now. For some of us, it might take some, some time and effort in order to make this mind shift. But let us as FBC encourage one another, pray for one another, walk accountability with one another. May God's glory be our focus, our passion, our goal and our delight in everything we think, do and say, as individuals, but also as a body of believers. Amen. Our Lord, we thank you for this word. Thank you that you are all about your own glory. And you call us to be all about your glory. Lord, our own hearts are often so proud so self-centered that even when serving you, Lord, we do that with ulterior motives. We do it to be seen. We do it to get something out of it. 
we do it because it's expected of us by someone else. But we want to come and humble ourselves before you and ask that you help us to obey you and love you and serve you because we know that giving you glory is the ultimate pleasure we can experience. That is what we will be doing for eternity with you. And so I pray that we will use this life as, as practice for that great day when you return and you set up your kingdom on earth, in a new heavens and a new earth. Lord. And so I pray for our people as we go into a new year, that we will not look to a program or an app or a product as handy as these things might be, but that our eyes and our focus will be on you and your glory. That you would guide us, that you would protect us, that you would heal us, those of us who are sick. And you would carry us, Lord, as we seek to do our part in bringing your kingdom on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.